For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Believe in UCLA podcast, the UCLA Bruins sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, joining you once again are your two hosts, myself, Sam Conan, and Travis Reed. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing pretty good, Travis. Thanks. Uh, so UCLA, pretty big weekend. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think, Travis? Pretty big, right? Oh, it's, it was so exciting, man. Uh, I haven't been this excited over a win from UCLA in, I don't know, easily about five years. You know, I think that, uh, whew, and like I said, I'm still getting chills over it. I'm still getting chills. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So UCLA men's basketball beat Villanova in overtime. Uh, they won that one, 86-77. feel like it's not too much of a stretch to say it's an all-time classic when it comes to regular season basketball. Number two versus number four. We talked about it last week on the show and it pretty much lived up to the hype. That was big. We'll be talking about that. Uh, UCLA football play this weekend, too. Uh, maybe not as much hype going into that game and it didn't start off too well, but uh, UCLA ended up beating Colorado 44 to 20. So they ran away with it. They secured bowl eligibility. We'll be breaking that down. And then coming up next for UCLA football. As USC. So we got the crosstown rivalry coming up on Saturday. We'll get you all caught up on that. What's going on there. And before we get into it, just want to say, uh, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple podcast, Google, whatever it is, uh, make sure to subscribe, turn on notifications, whatever it is, share the podcast. We really appreciate you guys listening and, uh, just spread the word, get everyone who, you know, who, who's into UCLA sports, get them on board. And, uh, we love the support. And um, if you're looking for extra UCLA content, you can head on over to allbruins.com. The All Bruins is the UCLA site on Sports Illustrated that I'm the publisher and managing editor for. So any extra UCLA content, you can find that there. But without that out of the way, Travis, let's dive right into this Villanova game. Like I said, it was a classic. Went to overtime, crazy back and forth, a lot to talk about. What are your first takeaways from that game? Pretty much, like you said, it was an amazing game. I thought that, uh, you know, what, you know, you don't, what, what, what college basketball does uh, that college football doesn't necessarily give us is games like this. You know, you rarely see a two versus four out of conference kind of game so early, you know. Uh, same example was uh, Kentucky uh, Duke, uh, you know, Texas versus Gonzaga, you know, uh, over this past weekend. I just think that, like, uh, college basketball gives you great games. And I love teams like UCLA, like Villanova, who plays anybody. 
You know, I never respected any teams that would have a record of 29 wins, two losses, but never beat anybody. Uh, I always respected teams that would go and chance their record. And, you know, UCLA chanced it, and they're still going to chance it with the the uh, schedule they have. But I'm just – I was so excited. I was screaming at the TV at the top of my lungs. I couldn't talk <laughs> after the game. Uh, it was – like I said, it was – because Villanova is a great team. I wouldn't be surprised if these two teams saw each other again in the Final Four. Yeah, Villanova is just that good. I mean, I, I think UCLA matched up pretty well with them just because, I mean, Cody Riley being out uh, after hurting his knee, uh, that definitely hurt on the surface. Doesn't seem like it's too serious long-term from what we've been hearing from the program. But uh, you, you would think that that hurt, but then you look at the way that Villanova plays, you, you want physical guys, but maybe you didn't need too much height, so it didn't end up being too much of a loss. UCLA had the pieces to, to kind of fit and go hand in hand and play Villanova style of basketball and, and beat them. And that's what they did. I think that's what's crazy about this team. We talked about it all preseason. We talked about it last week after the exhibition, the opener, whatever it is. This team is deep. It has options. It, they, they have just absolute gamers, ballers, whoever it is. Jaime Hawkins, Johnny Juzang, Jules Bernard, Tiger Campbell, Miles Johnson, Peyton Watson, uh, David Singleton, uh, I mean, Jake Common didn't play against Villanova. Oh yeah, like the, it's it's just such a good group of guys. So not only the chemistry and what they did in, in March last year, but just what they can bring on on a game to game basis. Jaime Hawkins gets twenty one and thirteen at what six foot six, and Jalen Clark he he's a he's a monster on the offensive boards, and he's six five six six if that. Uh, so they just have guys who can contribute in a lot of ways. And that's what you like to see out of this team, because, uh, usually these highly ranked teams have a star, maybe two, and UCLA certainly has that in choosing and Hawkes, but then who is it? Who gets the, the game time shot that forces overtime is Jules Bernard. Mick Cronin talked about it after the game nationally. No one's really talking about Jules Bernard. He's a returning starter. He's a senior from a final four team last year. And he just banked in a game tying shot to force overtime against a top five team. That's impressive. Jules Bernard's really improved. And so is everyone on this team, which is just, it's good to see. And it really gets you excited for the rest of the season. No, I definitely agree. I mean, think about Jaime's game, you know, like they had him at the top at the three point line going one-on-one from the top, like, you know, um, against, like you said, against Villanova, I think that, uh, you know, Juzang is Juzang. Uh, I think, you know, Jaime is like the glue of the team. You know, he, he, he rebounds, he, he assists, he plays physical, he can shoot to three. Um, you know, like, like I said, I thought Juzang in the beginning of the game, you could tell he was excited. It really wanted to show the world who he really was. And I think he struggled a little bit early, but UCLA defense kept their kept the you know kept the game close. Um, I thought that you know when he got going, he you know he can he got going you know like you know uh, Juzan can do stuff like uh, he mid ranged him to death just mid range yeah definitely uh, <laughs> off the triple <laughs> mid range mid range mid range you know. Uh, I mean, this is my opinion. I think he's the best, you know, mid-range shooter in college basketball, bar none. Definitely, yeah. You know, you know, him and Jaime is probably the best uh, wing players in college basketball, 
uh, that I've seen this year, you know, not even close to me. Yeah. But between the two of them, and then you add in Jules Bernard, you probably have the best group of wings in the country mm-hmm. at UCLA. And that's not even including Peyton Watson, five-star freshman McDonald's all American. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously just looking at Peyton Watson, I want to talk about him for a second. Uh, he only played six minutes, took one shot and missed it. One rebound, one assist, a block, a foul. He didn't really bring too much to the table. Uh, but the thing is, Mick Cronin kept putting him into the game for defense late. So the trust that Mick showed in him as a defender is great because you know a guy like McDonald All-American, we saw the confidence he has in his shot. Uh, he's He'll be a scorer eventually. But to be such a developed defensive player, whether it's his instincts or his physical traits, maybe not the IQ quite yet because he's just at the college level, but if those instincts and, and physical traits are good enough for a coach like Mick Cronin, who values defense so much, to put you in in defensive situations late, that says a lot about you. So, yeah, Peyton Watson's only playing six minutes in this Villanova game. But like you said, if UCLA and Villanova meet again in the Final Four, I could see him playing 25 minutes. You know, you just know that this is a, a really good starting point for him. It's a good base. Uh, he didn't play great in the season opener. He didn't play great in this game. But the, you just see things there that you know that he'll develop into something by midseason. Oh, no, definitely. I think, uh, like I said, he's a freshman. And how many freshmen come in against the number four team like Villanova with all veteran players, my might add for Villanova, um, and play a ton of minutes? I think that if you notice, Coach went straight like with his top five, and especially in the second half. He went with them. He rolled with them a lot. He might have submitted one sub here and there, but for the most part, he rolled with his final four crew. Um you know, this game was not a game for for the for the week of mind or, or week of body. I think no. this this was a game for men, you know. Um, it was a man, I mean the, the announcer said it. Uh is this a man's game because they was letting them they was letting them play. Mm-hmm. Two really, really physical teams, they was letting them play, and it was a man's game, period. And uh don't worry, I I, I think in the next if they did play in like I said, the lead eight final four type of game. He'll probably play more because he'll be more adjusted to it. But yes, the Saturday's game or Friday's game, I'm sorry, was a man's game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to ask your opinion on something because uh, so UCLA in, in overtime, they had Tiger Campbell passed to Jaime and hit the three, put him up five. So that was great. Jaime goes ISO a few possessions later, less than a minute, and he gets fouled. From that point on, UCLA, I think at every free throw, and I think they were they were 17 and 19 on the night from the line. And that's in a packed, loud poly pavilion. So Travis, when when you're playing at home, you, you play in, in some big games, big games at poly, big games on the road, big games mm-hmm. at neutral sites. Mm-hmm. Is it encouraging? Is it helpful to have so much noise and an atmosphere around you when it, you know it's in support when you're kind of having to focus at the free throw line like that? Because that's what it seemed like this team did. Oh, definitely. Uh, look, I would say this. Uh, the biggest game I played at Poly, uh, we were number 10 in the country. Uh, and Arizona was number five in the country at the time. It was my sophomore year. I actually started that game. Um, and we beat them. And what happened was, they, you know, they that was a team for them that had, you know, Richard Jefferson and Jason Terry 
and uh, Michael, you know, Michael Wright, just a bunch of like, you know, NBA guys on the team and playing at home. is more like calm. It's like, okay, the crowd hushes before you shoot. And then when you make it, it's a swish. Um, I think that, like I said, on the road, the crowd is, you know, you know, screaming and rocking and things like that. But at home, when you're on the free throw line, it's more like a, okay, you know, calm down. Let's get my thoughts together. And uh, and the funny thing about them going 17 for 19, I don't even know if they shot any free throws in the se- in the first half. I don't think they did. Yeah, it, it, they, it took until – I think it was about five and a half minutes left in the entire in regulation <laughs> yeah. when they got their first when they got their first free throw attempt. It was crazy, yeah. like you said, they were they were letting them play for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. it got it was, it was it was a man's game, like you were saying, like the announcers were saying, uh, and they stuck in it through all that. And then when the time came, they hit their free throws. So that that mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. definitely definitely good to see on their part. Just before we move on, uh, a couple a couple other things re- relating to the 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 big environment kind of the the high stress and the noise and everything mm-hmm. UCLA turned the ball over a lot uh that was a big issue early I think they ended up with uh allowing I think it was 14 turnovers that led to 19 points for Villanova so that's not great and when it looked like they were losing it felt like that was going to be the reason why mm-hmm. do you think that uh, having so much support and everything I know you're talking at the free throw line you kind of get to calm down and hear the swish and everything but did do these guys get jitters or something distracted? Like what is it that kind of led to those? Or do you think it was just playing a really good defensive team like Villanova? I think it's playing a really good defensive team like Villanova. If you notice what Villanova is, is they're, they're a half court dominant uh, defensive team. They don't, they, they don't let you get around them. They don't let you get to the basket because they'll body you up. And you see, if you notice, you see they was trying to go one-on-one Juzang and, and Jaime and all these people, players was trying to go one-on-one. And I was like, that's not going to work against Villanova, you know, because they're physical guard play and they're taught to strip the ball out and poke and things like that. And they, they UCLA wasn't being, they were expecting the call. And in those kind of, these kind of games, you can't expect the call. The ref is not going to bail you out in these kind of games. So they had a lot of turnovers. And then that wasn't necessarily like a, terrible turnovers but like you said it led to a lot of you know 19 Villanova points they are a veteran team and like I said I think the turnovers against any veteran team is going to kill you and uh I felt like you know in the beginning of the game in the you know like when Villanova kind of started to take over when it went up seven uh with I want to say like five or six minutes to go it was just like the turnovers the turnovers trying to go one-on-one trying to go one-on-one um, that's not going to work against great defensive teams. Ball movement, screen, move—you know that that was going to work. Yeah, definitely. And and I think the fact that this wasn't a perfect game uh, actually shows it, it's pretty good for UCLA because if they—I mm-hmm. mean, Villanova shot fifty percent from three in regulation. UCLA was turning the ball over, uh, and you see the, the Bruins were down ten uh, in the second half. So mm-hmm. the fact that they overcame all of that to win this game mm-hmm. is really promising because you know from here they're just going to grow more so mm-hmm. uh before we move on to talk a little ucla football i just want to point out the the game monday night uh so depending on when you're listening to this it may have already happened or not but uh 
But Travis, you made the the switch over from UCLA to Long Beach State uh, a while back. So we're, how are you feeling going into this? What's your mindset like going into UCLA, Long Beach State? <laughs> well, the funny thing is uh, the person uh, that I was getting the tickets from, he was like, look, I know you went to Long Beach State, but you cannot wear any Long Beach State colors at the game. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, look, man, that's no problem. I understand where I'm going. I'm going to Poly. I'm not going to uh, the Pyramid. So I have much love and respect for both UCLA and Long Beach State. Um, but as long as I'm at Poly, uh, you know, I have to root for the home team, right? Makes want, sense. Makes yeah, sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited for Monday. Uh, you know, I think, like I said, it's, it's good for UCLA to kind of get this game uh, on Monday because, you know, like now they're coming off the high of the big, you know, big, huge Villanova game back to, you know, regular schedule program, you know, now they got to not read the tea leaves. It can't be you're thinking like, Oh yeah, we're that good. We got to, you know, keep grinding these games, which I don't think the coach Nick Cronin will let him believe they're that good. You know, I think he'll give him praise. Okay, now it's back to work. So uh, it's going to be like, I think it's going to be a good game, but I think, you know, UCLA should take care of business. Yeah, definitely. So UCLA has got Long Beach State coming up Monday, then North Florida on Wednesday, and then you got Bellarmine and Gonzaga early next week. But we will preview those games next week when the time comes Mm-hmm. For now, let's move on to talk a little UCLA football. Uh, so the Bruins beat the Buffaloes 44-20, like we were saying earlier. They were in a 20-7 to hole in the second quarter. Things were looking pretty bleak, uh, not only for the game, but just the state of the program, uh, just with everything going on with Chip Kelly and that that mayhem chaos there with his job security against it and allowing 20 points in the first half to a Colorado team that – really just has an awful offense and is coached by Carl Durrell, who UCLA fired about uh, 15 or so years ago uh, after five seasons where I think he only had one losing season. Uh, Chip Kelly avoided his fourth consecutive losing season by reaching six wins. So he's got that going for him. And the Bruins also clinched a bowl by reaching that six win mark. So Travis, what did you see from this game? What are your overall feelings coming off of that win? Uh, well, they, you know, like they started off really slow. They started off really slow. I was kind of shocked. I was like, they're making Colorado looking like Utah's run the run offense, <laughs> you know, with the running game. Um, but like I said, I, I thought when if UCLA, I was like, they just, if they just turn it up, they'll win. And luckily, uh, you know, the second half they did. And they scored, when they turned it up, they scored 37 straight. Um, and I thought that, you know, like I said, six wins is a bowl, but let's not worry about those six wins. I, I told you, we talked about it before. He needs to win uh, this week, obviously, especially this week to get to seven. And then he needs to win next week uh, to get to eight to play in a quote unquote decent bowl. And, you know, and win the bowl game to get to nine for him to have even a chance to keep his job for next year, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but keeping it on this game, I I think like you're saying, slow start, not good. Uh, Doran Thompson Robinson hit, he completed his first five passes. Uh, they're all pretty, pretty short, either screens or just out passes, nothing great. And then he has that interception where 
he, I, I don't want to say he forced it into Greg Dulcich because there was a small window there. He could have made it. He just ended up overthrowing it. Not good. Mm-hmm. His next pass was that uh, almost 41-yard touchdown to Cam Brown that got called back for illegal touching. Um, so that was not a great start overall for DTR. But then after that, 13-19, 235 yards. That's over 12 yards per attempt. That's almost 70% completion. His passer rating after that penalty, uh, I think was, it was 172, 173. So he really turned in a good performance, not just throwing the ball, but he also rushed for 99. Uh, he only took one sack and it was for one yard. So it's not just scrambling and getting yards. It's scrambling, buying time, avoiding the huge negative plays, so that was really good to see from him. That was promising. Mm-hmm. Uh, he missed that Utah game and he missed the end of the Oregon game with that thumb injury. So to keep to see him come back and play a really good game outside of that kind of two play stretch with the penalty, I wouldn't even call that a bad play on him. It was a really good throw. Mm-hmm. Really, just that one interception. You take that out. That's one of DTR's best games of the year. You love to see that from him. The run game overall, Charbonnet. Uh, he had three touchdowns. Britton Brown, I think he had 56 yards on nine carries, eight carries, something like that. Really efficient. UCLA was running the ball really well uh, with in a spread offense in the second half. People were talking about how it looked like Chip Kelly finally went back to the, the blur, the way he was running that up-tempo offense, the spread offense he ran at Oregon that for some reason he's been uh, – he, he hasn't wanted to run it at UCLA. And – what do you know? They come out in the second half and it looks pretty similar to that old Oregon offense, which was, which was nice to see. And it's part of the reason they went 37 score unanswered to end the first half and go into the second and win the game, pretty much a blowout. No, I agree with you. I think, you know, with Chip in the offense, I think that he, at Oregon, it was a blur. Like you said, like it was just, you know, um, I think in the NFL, it might've scared him, you know, because he did it for a year his first year was successful in Philadelphia and then after that maybe if you want to say he wasn't as successful doing the offense so maybe he thought like maybe I would bring just a tiny bit of it but this team UCLA team needs to be fast you know when they beat LSU in the beginning of the season they were fast they were much faster than LSU I think that uh in order for them to win uh this week and, you know, they, what they did like this past week and what they need to do in the future for the rest of this season anyway is to play the up-tempo kind of offense. Um, you know, I think that the teams that are going to play, they're not going to be used to anything like that. UCLA, I mean, SC's not going to be, you know, their defense is not really good. So, <laughs> you know, this is be honest. And the defense is not really good. So, like, UCLA should win the up-tempo against them, you know? And I think they'll have a lot of success. So... I think that, like I said, like the up-tempo game and you know, DT looked really good. Uh, I think, like I said, he's finally healthy, you know. I mm-hmm. think he really got injured in that Oregon game. He took some vicious hits. Yeah, uh, totally but, blown up. Yeah, he was getting viciously just knocked around. And so I think finally he kind of got the, you know, back to being 100% healthy, kind of got the jitters out. And, you know, he's back to being who he was earlier in the season. Yeah, and talking about how DTR got blown up last time he he was out there on the field, and, and then the Utah game we talked about it last week how Garbers was was under pressure constantly, uh, and that partially had to do with uh, Alec Anderson, the right tackle, being out, and they moved John Gaines, the right guard, over to right tackle, and had Antonio Moffy play right guard, and 
when when you say it was trying to come back in that Utah game, Garbers gets sacked for a safety because the whole right side of the offensive line was a mess that game. So this week, even with Alec Anderson not back, and, and Anderson's uh, he's a pretty good prospect. Uh, they they had true freshman Garrett uh, Giorgio. I, I don't know, De, De Giorgio, something like that. Apologies <laughs> like if I'm that, messing yeah. it up. Yeah, they had him starting at right tackle for the first time all season. They let John Gaines go back to the interior, and it worked really well, especially in that second half where, where DTR, uh, he, he didn't, he was not really getting hit. So he mm-hmm. could stay in the pocket and make those throws. And when pressure came and the play started to break down, he had had enough time for guys to get downfield and spread out where he could scramble for a first down. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the tackles were pulling uh, down deep in the red zone. And that led, led to some Charbonnet touchdowns. The offensive line just looked much better. And even though Alec Anderson, if he, if he comes back this year, which seems like he will, cause he seemed pretty close to being able to go uh, on, on Saturday, uh, obviously UCLA wants Anderson back this year, but for the future, to have Garrett as a left tackle or right tackle, whatever this, whatever side they stick him on in the future, I think will be really good. So uh, it was a good performance by the offensive line Saturday, and it was promising for the future of the offensive line moving forward. No, definitely agree with that. Uh, continuity is uh, it's hard when you move right guard to right the right tackle, left guard to right guard. It's it's always yep. to me to me it's always hard for offensive line to just do that midweek of a of a you know, the next week of the game. Um, continuity, having people at their natural positions, they, they flourish at it, you know? So I think that, like I said, going forward, uh, if he comes back, good. But if not, like I said, they have the future. And like I said, keep everybody on the office line continuity because when DTR has time, he's a good quarterback. It's probably if he's running around for his life <laughs> like he was in that Oregon game, uh, then there's a is there, there's an issue, you know? Yeah, definitely. So that's pretty much all we got on the Colorado game. Uh, like we said, started slow. It was a mess. Turned into a blowout. UCLA looked pretty good in the second half, as they should have against a pretty crappy Colorado team. Uh, and with that out of the way, that means we're on to USC week, Travis. So mm-hmm. big rivalry week. We got UCLA against USC. It's going to be at the Coliseum at 1 o'clock on Saturday. I think it's on Fox. It's a big game, obviously. Um, Always. And, and, I mean, they got the six wins out of the way, so no bowl eligibility on the line. Uh, USC still trying to make a bowl with interim coach uh, with uh, with Clay Helton gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but for UCLA, they can really just focus on the game. This game, the rivalry, beating the Crosstown rival. And personally, I think that's a pretty good thing, just kind of clear, clear the slate heading into the game. Uh, and focus on being the Trojans, which is always a good thing for this UCLA program. It, it always helps in a lot of ways. I'll say that. No, I, I agree. When I was at UCLA, you know, like the one game we can never lose ever was against SC, you know, like one circle game always, no matter what our record was, no matter what their record was, you can never lose to SC. And I think uh, this year is the same thing. I think UCLA, uh, is going to come in and they should be focused, but I think it's going to be a tough game because SC is going to be, you know, hyped because it's a rivalry game, you know? Um, and so I think, I think UCLA, uh, like I said, they should come in ready to play and they should come in ready to take care of business because Coliseum is a tough place to play. 
And no matter what happens, I think that, like I said, SC is going to come ready to play. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think part of what makes this even more important is we've talked about it a little bit in the past. The post-USC hangover game is almost never goes well for UCLA. I think since <laughs> they started playing USC in the second to last week of the season uh, before Thanksgiving, um, UCLA maybe has one win in the last eight years in, in that last weekend of the season after the USC game. So if you don't win this and you don't win that next one, you finish at six and six. It, if you win against USC, then, I mean, at least you're at seven and you, you kind of hope for eight at the end if you're, if you're this UCLA team. But there's, there's still a lot on the line, even if it's not bowl eligibility. It's those bragging rights. It's how many wins can they get total. So uh, it, it'll definitely be big. When it comes to USC themselves, uh, obviously the quarterback position's a little up in the air for them. Uh, Keaton Slovis, he, he's, he's injured. He's back. He, he had been playing all right, but whatever they did last game out uh, was just a mess uh, against Arizona state with two quarterback system that Dante Williams wanted to go with for some reason. I mean, Jackson Dart was playing well, but no, 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 you got to alternate possessions. So you bring in Keaton Slovis and that was just a total disaster. If he has it his way, they'll both be healthy and they'll both be playing against UCLA and that's just going to be bizarre. I feel like we, you never see that in today's college football. And God, especially with no Drake London anymore after he got hurt a couple of weeks ago. I, I mean, this usually a secondary isn't particularly good, but if, if USC goes with their two quarterback system, I don't know how successful they're going to be even against this UCLA defense. You know, honestly, it, it's a great saying. I've heard it many times in college football. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Yep. You know, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, if one quarterback can't stand out and can't step step above as the leader of this team, you don't you don't have a starting you don't have a starting quarterback. And I, I think that, like I said, Slovis has had a very pedestrian year, if you want to say, uh, mm-hmm. compared to what he did last year. In a way, I think last year he had a, a better season, even though they, you know. It was a you know, COVID year. I think he had a better season. And really his first year he had was he was way better. I don't I don't know if it's the system. I don't know if it was just I'm a Drake London dependent. Uh but this I don't know like with, with his play, and this hasn't been really that good. And I think that the freshman at least kind of spreads it around to other players. Um, but I you know with SC. It's really weird. I just felt like they had a chance to go get maybe possibly uh, Urban Meyer uh, last year. And they end up keeping Clay Helton and they end up firing him three games into the season this year. It just didn't make any sense. I'm just like, you could have done this last year and possibly got, (laughs) you know, you could have got the one of the greatest college coaches ever. You keep and then fire him like three games in the season. So, uh, SC has a lot of work to do. I think, like I said, if UCLA just plays the way they play, they should win the game, you know? Because um, SC is kind of a mess right now. So I think that, like I said, if UCLA just... To me, they're not only playing for, like you said, the seventh win, but they're playing for the coach's job. Because no matter what happens the following week, I think if you lose the SC, he's not going to come back as a UCLA coach. Um, yeah, that's just, yeah. That's just my opinion. You know, I think that he have to be that C and he has to win 
against California the next game. He has to go minimum nine and four for him to even attempt to keep his job. Yeah, I'm on the same page as you when it comes to this USC game because after this, win or loss, who knows what happens with Cal? Who knows if he makes it to a bowl, what the timeline is with the buyout and all that crap. But just the USC game on its own, you talked about it. It's so wildly important just to this fan base, to the athletic department. Uh, it's not just bragging rights. It's, I mean, I don't want to get too corny with it, but it means more <laughs> than that. It really does. It really means a lot. And you saw what happened with Jim Mora, where uh, he had that one bad season in 2016 when Rosen was hurt. And he comes back in 2017. He's not as good as he was in the Brett Hundley days. But that 2017 season, you know, started with a Texas A&M big win, big comeback, and then was kind of wavering after that. Mm. They were just kind of middle of the road, and then they lose to SC, and they ditch him. So, mm. same kind of thing they, this I year. I think they lost SC 50 to nothing that game. It was something. It was no, something. no, no. It was uh, – what it was actually was decent. That was a couple oh. of years before. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, the year they fired him, I forget what the final score was, but it was Rosen against Darnold in the Coliseum. Uh, a billion scouts there. And, oh, okay, okay. Uh, whoever was there told their teams to take both of those guys in the top 10. It turns out they're all wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but going, yeah, I mean, that, that is the game that got Jim Mora fired. He was fired the next day. I think it was on his birthday, too. <laughs> I forget what time the actual news came in, but Jim Mora got fired on his birthday for losing to SC. Chip Kelly could very easily not be the coach the next time we record. I mean, we record on, on Sunday nights, Sunday afternoons, Travis. And coming up this Saturday, if UCLA doesn't win this game, I'd say it's maybe an 80-20 shot he's fired. It's not 100%, but if if I'm Martin Jarmond, I'm firing him. I know a lot of people would be in that same position. Obviously, there's a lot more to it than wins and losses. There's also the finances and the coaching market that we've talked about in the past, mm-hmm. but it's pretty cut and dry. If you lose this game to USC and then you go into the Cal game stumbling and you, what you're six and six, that is not good enough. Uh, it's really not. So uh, is for all the things that go into this game as as competitive as these games almost always are, mm-hmm. you have to win this. I don't care if, if USC has more five-star guys than UCLA, uh, I don't care if you, if it's a comeback that falls a little shorter, if they blow the lead and played a great first half, no, they need to win this game and probably convincingly in order for Chip Kelly to come back next year. Oh, uh, de- most definitely. Like we discussed this on our shows in the past. I think that, uh, you cannot lose, like you said, you cannot lose the SC. It's it's not only what you said with the money and the coaching, it's recruiting. Recruits yep. are watching. All California recruits are watching this game, you know? The ones that are staying in the area, not the ones that are going to other colleges. But the ones that are staying there watching this game, it means a lot. And SC is basically on a down year. So if you can't beat SC on a down year, then uh, there is an issue that probably, yeah, that warrants you being fired because, like I tell you, like I said, he has to go minimum nine and four to, to keep his job attempted. But SC is, what are they, four and five, four and six, whatever they are. Yeah, four and five. Yeah, uh, so you have to beat them. It's it's uh, You cannot lose. And they, like I said, if they play their game, they should win comfortably. But, if, you know, you never know if they lose. He, like you said, he might be like a Lane Kiffin fired on the tarmac 
on he'll he'll be fired on the 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 on-ramp to the 405 yeah exactly on his way back up to way back back up to westwood so i i would say people lock in lock into the game (laughs) ucla win this game yeah because i mean so usc is on an interim coach so not only are they are they down as a program but they don't even have an actual head coach if you can't beat usc when they don't have a coach and they're floundering and wavering, what are you doing? Like, come on. That, that's, that'd just be embarrassing. And then uh, it, 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 the sad thing is, is that USC would probably be UCLA's highest quality win of the year. Cause you look at their win so far, Hawaii sucks. I think they're four, <laughs> they're, they're four and seven uh, LSU. They fired at Ogeron mid-year. They're four and six. Uh, Stanford has three wins. I mean, David Shaw's not going to get fired because he's David Shaw, but Stanford's trash this year. Uh, Arizona, only one win. Jed Fish is kind of new, so he's not going to get fired. But they, they're they awful. Washington just fired Jimmy Lake. They were horrible. Uh, and then you just beat Colorado, who Carl Durrell is just not a very good coach. We know that from his UCLA days and ever since. <laughs> and they have, what, three wins? So all these teams that UCLA has beat suck. And USC is not good, but they're probably the best team. If, if UCLA were to win, they'd probably be the best of those seven wins. So if you can't even beat that team, then it just shows where your ceiling is and it's just not a good sign. So uh, you, you can't lose this game. Like we've been saying, it'd be really, really just sad <laughs> to watch. Um, no, uh, agreed. Agreed. I think uh, SC probably has the most talent. Definitely has the most talent of anybody they've played so far this year. Uh, like I said, Washington fired their coach after 13 games. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, they have to win this game. It's it's not a it's not a want to. They have to. Yeah, definitely. So, with all that said, that's probably going to be it for us today on the Believe in UCLA podcast. So, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find me, Sam Conan, at Sam Conan on Twitter, and make sure to follow at SI underscore all Bruins for all the UCLA content on Sports Illustrated. And just keep an eye out for all the other shows on the Believe Podcast Network. Got some good stuff going on, all teams in California, all, all kinds of stuff, entertainment, sports, football, basketball, whatever it is. Keep an eye out for that and uh, make sure to give everyone a listen. Travis, where can people find you and your work and your social media presence? Pretty much. Uh, you can follow me at, at Travis W Reed on Instagram. Um, because there's a lot of Travis reads out there. Uh, so Travis <laughs> W Reed on Instagram and on Facebook, I had Travis W Reed and I post pretty much all my work, uh, on there, on my Instagram and my Facebook. Um, if you want to look up Travis Reed on YouTube, an athlete's journey. Uh, you can watch, you know, a bunch of my, you know, shows on that. I have a bunch of shows on YouTube as well. So like I said, Travis W Reed uh, on Instagram and Travis W Reed on Facebook. Awesome. Good to hear you, Travis. So that will be it for us. You can come back next Monday to catch our next episode where we will be recapping the USC football game and previewing the Gonzaga basketball game. So This was a big episode this week, Travis, but next week might be even bigger. So thanks so much for listening to everyone who tuned in and make sure to subscribe, like, share all that and come back next week for another 
big, uh, big show of UCLA sports. So uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you later. All right. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.